This is the first episode of a series with an anonymous woman named Catherine. Catherine is going to take us through a plethora of interesting topics. In following episodes, we will cover DS9, great reads, and reading literature by minority authors, and then Picard Lost in Space and a short remembrance of BSG. In this episode, we will talk about Growing Up Episcopalian with Star Trek. Tell me what got you into science fiction. Yeah, so uh, I've been a voracious reader my whole life, being given a lot of access to classic literature as a child, a young reader, and then looking into historical fiction a fair amount. Uh, And as I entered into my mid-20s, I was looking for new avenues to explore. And so science fiction, due to friends I had and due to relationships I was in, uh, became something that uh, people I was with talked about. And so I, too, grabbed a few and um, enjoyed them. And so continue to read science fiction and probably mostly fantasy as part of my regular reading diet. So how old were you when you started reading science fiction? Uh, I read science fiction when I was a middle schooler. Um, So I had a friend who really enjoyed Star Trek, and we read many of the Star Trek novelizations, particularly the Next Generation series and the Voyager series. We also wrote our own Star Trek fiction. Really? So we wrote... um, I think she wrote a full novel, and I wrote a series of poems oh. about the Next Generation characters. Oh, cool. Uh, and then continued to... I never didn't read science fiction. There were just times where I read more of it or less of it. Fantasy, we read... Uh, friends of mine in, in high school were reading the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. Mm. Um, and so I've read a good deal of that. Um, there was a series about Shannara that I read a good amount of. And then the traditional Lord of the Rings, C.S. Lewis... Ursula Le Guin was on our bookshelf. Mm. Mists of Avalon I read as a child. So a real intersection of sort of traditional science fiction, modern science fiction, and fantasy. So it's on your bookshelf at the age of, what was that again? Uh, When I was about 12. Okay. And uh, so your parents were into science fiction as well? I think my parents were into fantasy more than science fiction, though my dad was a Star Trek fan. Uh And my mother is the one who would have had Ursula Le Guin and Marion Zimmer Bradley. So what, so what kind of people were your parents to bring science fiction into your uh, early That's a good question. I think for my parents, my parents are both priests. And oh. so I think for them, I don't want to speak for them, but my experience of them was that uh, it was looking at different ways to talk about theology outside of the realm of uh, our world. And so it gave, my dad loved to watch Star Wars and Star Trek and come up with sermon ideas. Really? Um, yeah, to talk about how they talked about faith and how they talked about God and what the different words for God were in different sci-fi worlds. Oh, wow. Uh, And then my mother, you know, came out of a fairly conservative Christian family, I think, looked to learn about feminism and broadening her understanding of the world through literature, because that's really kind of one of her main hallmarks is being a voracious reader. Mm. And um, so I think some of those things were on the shelf out of those explorations. I'm not sure she ever handed them over as like, this is the best, you should read this. Mm. But we had a lot of books growing up, and there was a whole section of those books that were sci-fi and fantasy. And so 
we were encouraged to, to make use of those. My brother continues to prefer to read sci-fi and fantasy. My sister much prefers novels, short stories, and I have grown to really love memoir. So we ended up in different areas, but we started with the same library. And oh. so, uh, yeah, that's that's what my parents did. Where were you? So where did you grow up at? I grew up outside of New York City, uh-huh. um, near West Point, New York. Oh, okay. And your parents, what like denomination were they? Yeah, so they met in seminary. They're both Episcopal priests. Oh, um, and I was actually born while they were in seminary. So was a main part of our childhood was being the child of two priests and having three churches to attend and a large parish community and, and Christian family that also provided us with a variety of different literature and, and books to read. Was there ever like controls imposed? So most people who describe a childhood that's heavily a religious family, there's controls imposed on, on the children. Is that your experience? No. So I think that the way I describe my parents is when I was born, maybe that was the goal. By the time my brother and sister came along, that was exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) So I think my parents held expectations about what we would read and they would talk a lot about what our values were. But the the idea being like to engage with the world and understand how those values intersected. And so I think about a time I used to watch MTV secretly because I thought I would get in trouble. And I was singing a song I had seen on MTV and my mother like asked me about it. And she's like, you saw that on MTV, didn't you? And then we had a whole conversation about what are music videos? What is happening in them? Like, what are they espousing as values? So I think that while I, in their early experience as parents, my parents had some concerns about exposing us to the broader world and what it meant in terms of our experience of faith. My experience with my parents is they each wanted us to grapple with our faith in a very real and livable way. And so while there were certainly expectations on relationships and dating and when we would date and what conversations about growing up looked like, I felt like there wasn't ever a limitation. My example is my brother is a heavy metal fan and he got my parents to buy him heavy metal music by reviewing the lyrics with them and talking with them about how he understood them and how he interpreted them. And so there was sort of this this challenge of being like, talk about how this intersects with your values and our family values, but there was not a, a limitation put on access. Cool. Yeah, that's different. So they weren't opposing a filter. They would they would want to talk about your, your experience, maybe help contextualize or understand it, uh, what's happening. All right. That's different. That's very open. Uh, did any science, particular science fiction inspire you? So I will say Star Trek, particularly Next Generation, was probably pretty formative for me, both uh, coming into my teenage years and having a crush on Wesley Crusher, but also Captain Picard just being sort of this model of leadership, Will Riker being sort of this model of strength, Um, and then the women on that show, uh, Dr. Crusher and Deanna Troy, being people that, as a person going into her adolescence, I found inspiring. They were strong personalities. They spoke up in the room when they were making decisions. They they brought forward kind of a different perspective on things I felt on the show. And then Data, who was an android, it really caused me to have to think about like, what is humanity? Like, what is it that makes us who we are? And, and why is that different? And how is his creator different from my creator? And so I think I got into reading sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Those same questions came up for me. And it, it really gave me an opportunity to grapple with some fairly challenging material at a young age. Mm-hmm. In a space that was safe. Like, I was sitting in my room reading mm-hmm. these books. And yet I was able to really engage with questions that probably I had to re-engage with in my 20s to come up with what my current answers were. Wow. But I had already had a first go, so oh, that's kind of cool. That's cool. When you were watching Star Trek, so it sounds like you were watching it before you were a reader of science fiction. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you started watching Star Trek? And tell me about, was that a family event or with your father? How did that work? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I can't quite remember when Next Generation was on, which means my memory of when we watched it, maybe 89? Oh, 87, probably. 87 to 89, maybe? Yeah, around that range. I want to say it ended right after my brother was born, and he was born in 89. So I would have been before, this was before I was 10. Like, I was a kid. Uh-huh. And my memory is that we, my dad and I watched it, and my sister was, like, playing. She's four years younger than I am, so she would have been three or four. Oh. I don't recall my mom watching it, which is not to say she wasn't there, but the way that our house growing up was sort of situated, my dad would be watching things in the living room or we'd be playing in the living room my mother was often reading in the dining room or doing her correspondence or writing bills or whatever mm. and so we were all in this one big room but we were in different sections and so I don't recall her sitting down and watching it with us but I do like I remember when Deep Space Nine came out I was probably an adolescent oh, wow. and I did not like it as much but my dad liked it seemingly mm. more mm-hmm. and then when Voyager came out I was definitely a teenager mm. at least in my memory yeah. I'll probably go back and find out I was 11 but it it uh that one I liked and so it reconnected my father and I we would talk about the episodes and we talked about the topics and I think that it as much as there are problems retrospectively with representation and how racism is worked out and what domination looks like in those shows regarding race I actually think it gave me an opportunity like this this exploration of life outside of what was known was done in a peaceful way or was intention intended to be peaceful and I think that really set me up to say like engaging with cultures that are not mine doesn't have to be scary Mm. and so I think that was part of what my dad was Mm. trying to get us to figure out that's cool so in in those time periods this was before streaming tv happened Mm -hmm. and so everyone kind of who were going to watch the show it sounds like you and your dad would get together and maybe others would come as well and uh you'd watch it together Mm -hmm. and that experience and so you had a shared experience that you would sometimes talk about whenever you know felt like you wanted to talk about sometimes we talk about sometimes it would just show up in a sermon on sunday and (laughs) i would would know what he was referring to that's so interesting yeah and then we started to get the original star trek videos on vhs from the library Oh, and so we would start watching classic classic Star Trek, and since Next Generation had been my intro, uh-huh. classic Star Trek seemed really weird. I bet. So it's a different animal. Very obviously. different, very different show. Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. has a lot of fake conflict you know, built in. I bet there's a lot of material to that. I think it, you, it, it informed a lot of his early '90s sermons. I think I can't remember anyone specific. I just know that. It gave him an avenue by which to talk about a story that wasn't the story from the Bible and wasn't current politics, Mm. but people could engage with. Mm. So whether or not they watched the show, he could take the story, tell the story, and then offer sort of an overlay of like, how does this relate to what we're reading today? It didn't have to be from that week. I mean, sometimes he would pull things out from years before, but he definitely used some of that material to sort of make things accessible to folks sitting in his pews. Is your your dad still uh, giving sermons? No. Oh, I was going to say, I wonder what material he's using today. <laughs> he retired about 13 years ago. Oh, okay. But he writes my brother and sister and I every Sunday with just a little mini, like, 10-line text message sermonette. Oh. That's just like, here are my thoughts today, thinking of you all, wow. love you. Seems very res- so, yeah. retrospective or, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we like to, Mick and I, I will do a live reading of them when I receive them. So that oh, we can wow. Here, like, it always starts with shalom <laughs> and then nice. goes into kind of, this is what I'm thinking about, or this is what was talked about at church, or this is, you know, something that I've been, I've been praying over. And then it just ends with like, love you all, be well. So Nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I should get your dad on the show. I'm very interested in, in um, 
well, it all depends on the person, but you know, the religion and science fiction can be in conflict. So it's very interesting that he's adapted it in a, mm-hmm. in a model of some kind. I have no idea how he does it, but he's got his own way. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that though we are Episcopalian of the of both of my parents, my father is probably a little bit more universalist. So I think he's able to see like they're talking about it this way, but if you think about the Bible, boom. Yeah. Um, whereas my mother is a little bit more of a traditional. My mother probably would have made a really good church historian professor. Oh, okay. And so she's a little bit more of like, here's what this saint has to say. Here's oh. what this text tells us, bringing it all together and then giving like, when we go down to the world, this is what we're talking about. Huh. So they're very different. My parents' sermons are very different and their source material is clearly very different. Are you familiar with The Sparrow by Mary Dora, Ru- Mary Dora Russell, I believe? No. Dora Russell. No. It's a science fiction story about Jesuit priests going on a generation ship to visit another uh, uh, doing a mission to uh, uh, another planet, and then the interesting things that happen on the, as a result. That sounds thrilling. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's right up your dad's alley, I suppose. Uh, yeah, but I think he's thought about these things for a long time, so he's going to have probably fairly advanced uh, understanding of how to align those things together. However, you found sci-fi thoughts be it iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast aggregation services. If you've enjoyed the show, go ahead and do us a favor. Go to wherever you get this podcast and leave us a review. Even clicking a few stars. And this will help out the show in many ways. Next episode, we explore Catherine's headspace by learning what she reads. Between 35 and 50 books. Wow. So okay. It's a fair amount. Um, and it ranges in what comes up. So I still read classic literature. I like to read fiction. I like to read fantasy. I like to read romance. I like to read mysteries. Um, so the fantasy is probably more what I read now, but I read a fair amount of science fiction in 2010 to 2015. Okay. So when I look back, um, I think that it really... It was that my taking in of science fiction at that point really had to do with connecting with the people I was connected to at that point. So we would all read the same like science fiction work and then chat. So I was in a relationship with someone who played Battletech, and so we would read the Battletech novels, which also helped me to understand Battletech. Um, it's a, I have to say, and I say this with all compassion, the, the mechanics of Battletech are long gone from my mind, and I'm quite happy to have that space back. <laughs> like,